welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Right, we are continuing our series on forgiveness. And if you noticed, we didn't say how long it would be. Uh, we're, this is a week that I didn't know that we would do, but I just feel like we're going to stay in a, a theme until we feel like we've kind of exhausted it and God gives us a release to go into the next one. And uh, this is one that I just felt like we needed to continue. And so I don't know if this will be our last one, if we'll go again next week, but I'm, I'm feeling like this might be our last and maybe we'll revisit it later on in the year. Um, but based on the response that we've been getting from people, it almost could be a year-long theme. It almost could be a year-long theme that, you know, for forgiveness, it's so important. And um, I do want to say thank you to Pastor Darren last week for that message, your vulnerability with your dad, your insight. Yeah. And to Lou and Vicki, can we just show our appreciation again to Lou and Vicki for their video? And I don't know what service Lou and Vicky will be at. They might even be in this one right now. It's a, there's so many people here, but I just want to speak this over you um, for Lou and Vicky. Um, you were vulnerable, and you shared uh, what you've been through. And, you know, I just want to say that um, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul lists a whole bunch of sins. The Apostle Paul lists a whole bunch of sins that are, are terrible sins. But then he says this, and I'll speak this over Lou and Vicky, so you need to receive this. He says, some of you were like that, but you have been purified from sin. You have been dedicated to God. You have been put right with God by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And I speak that over them and I speak that over anyone else that I know what I was. I know what I did. I know what I did wrong. And I may share that with other people, but I'm not that. I've been made right. I've been established in God and I am, I'm a trophy of his grace now. And I celebrate trophies of grace in this church. And we admit that who we were, we were on that list, but God saved us from that list and he's made us new and we celebrate trophies of grace. Now, today we're going to try to get to reconciliation. Reconciliation. We've been talking about forgiveness and I want to talk about reconciliation. I don't think we can cover it all. And before we get to reconciliation, I want to circle back a little bit more on forgiveness because this is a big thing for us. I realize as Christians, we are the most forgiven people in the world, so we should be the most forgiving people in the world. We've been forgiven so much. We've been forgiven of our sins. We should be forgiving to, to other people. And um, I recommended a book, uh, Total Forgiveness by R.T. Kendall, and I can't say enough good about this book for people to get. If you really are, are jumping in on this theme and you're looking for one book to get, be sure to get that one. And he says this, that God condemns unforgiveness. And I'm just going to give you a few points here. He says, God condemns unforgiveness because, number one, it shows an indifference to the greatest thing God did, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. 
He doesn't, God, God just wants us to be forgiving and he condemns an unforgiveness. It's just, he's like, I don't want you to be an unforgiving people because it, it shows an indifference to the greatest thing that I did for you. I sent my son to die on the cross to pay the price for your sins so that you could be forgiven and I don't want you to have an indifferent attitude. He said that God condemns unforgiveness. We've got to give it out. We've been given so much because God hates ingratitude. We saw that in the story with Matthew 18 where it's like the ungrateful servant that's been forgiven of so much and then won't forgive someone else and and God just can't stand an an attitude of ingratitude. And then another thing is he shares that when we don't give forgiveness, we we interrupt God's purpose in the world, which is reconciliation. When we don't give forgiveness to other people, we interrupt his, his pattern of what he wants to do, his purpose. He's like, I'm trying to bring reconciliation to this world. And when you don't give forgiveness to people, you are blocking the flow of my forgiveness. You are making it more difficult for people to come into a relationship with me. And he's like, I want you to give forgiveness. I want you to be about the mission. You've got to give forgiveness. Now, forgiving forgiveness is so important, and um, I just returned from Israel. We were on a global experience, Israel, and uh, I, I just feel like if you're looking on what trip you should go to, we tell people within three years or as soon as possible, you should go on a global team. I think, first of all, you should probably go to uh, helping somebody that's needy or orphans. That's a great global team to go on. I think it's incredible to go on a global team where you're around an unreached people group where you may walk for hours and not a single person you walk by uh, knew Jesus Christ at all and you go on a global team like that. And after you've got those two, I'd love for you to go on a global experience to go to Israel and to see where Jesus walked and to get the context of the scriptures. But we just got back from uh, this global experience in Israel and, and we took a bus from, you know, uh, the, the Sea of Galilee all the way to Jerusalem where the temple was and it put it in context because it took us over you know, almost two hours to drive in a bus the distance. And then when I read this scripture in Matthew 5, 23 and 24, it says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, which would be in Jerusalem, they would go to Jerusalem and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, like some unforgiveness, an unresolved issue. He's like, leave your gift in front of the altar And go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Can you imagine that? Some of those trips were 8, 10, 12 days. And he's saying, if you want to get right with me and you're standing in the temple and you want to offer that sacrifice, which says you're sorry for your sins and you realize that you have something against them, before you come and tell me how sorry you are with me, go apologize with them. Walk eight days back work through the issues, and then come back eight days and then make your sack. I mean, think about it. That's pretty serious. Pretty serious. And so we've got to live out forgiveness. We've got to give out forgiveness. We've got to do that. We've got to ultimately hope that we can get to reconciliation. Now, a couple people asked via email, so I want to address this again before I get to reconciliation. They said, like, practical, give me some help on forgiveness. I'm not very good at this. After the I forgive you, will you forgive me? How do we live it out? Okay, so I found a list again. Didn't make it up, but I want to share it with you. It says this about how after the I forgive you or after you say, will you forgive me? How are you going to live out forgiveness? 
First of all, after you've done that exchange, when you say, will you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. And you, you know, and you have your prayer and you do that, okay? Or however you do it, you hug, you make up. When you walk away from that moment, how to live out that forgiveness, you're going to make the choice to not tell anyone about it anymore. And how many know that's really hard? Because you even want to say like, hey, they were really a jerk to me, but we forgave each other. How many know it's like, you just want to say, you, you got to just make that decision. After we've forgiven each other, we are going to make the choice to not talk about what we did. We're going to let that go. Another thing is, you're going to have to be pleasant to them when you're around them. How many know if you've forgiven them, you don't, you're going to be nice to them when you're around? Very practical, very practical thing. Um, another thing would be this, if a conversation ensues between you and the other person and you start talking to them, you're going to do things that helps them to recognize they're free of the guilt. You're not going to hint around the edges. You're not going to bring up the topic to them even. You're going to let them know that they're forgiven. We have the great example of this with Joseph where he doesn't dig with his brothers. He says, hey, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. I, 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 let's, let's move forward with this. And he says, you know, I want you to have this land. I want you to be taken care of. And it's a beautiful story in Genesis. I got a text from someone um, that I used to have issue with. And uh, I've tried to keep track of how many people that I've had like major issues with in my life. And I was like, only two. And I was like, oops, only three, four, six, eight. Okay, a few. All right, a lot. All right. I'm, like, I'm just like you, okay? But this is one that, what I, that I put in my big category. And the person sent me a text, and they were, they're part of our church. And they said, excellent sermon. When people who know the story see us together, I hope it spurs people to give forgiveness, and it glorifies God. Keep preaching on forgiveness. You know why? Because when I'm around this person, I never bring that up. I don't even think about it. It's crazy to even think about it. They reminded me of a significant anniversary of something that was part of our fallout. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that date even exists. I'm just telling you, I, I don't throw it back in their face. They don't throw it back in my face. And I thank God that I, that I speak to them in a way that lets them know that they're free of guilt, that we've forgiven each other. Another thing would be let them feel good about themselves. Um, let them feel good. Another thing would be protect them from their greatest fear. You know what the greatest fear is for somebody that you've had an issue with? That you'll blab it. And so when you live over time that you don't blab it and you, you don't look at them like, I know, Shh, zip it, I know. You know what I mean? You know, do you send them the signals. Man, you, you help them to live in forgiveness. And then you keep it up today and every day. When you, how many know that when you forgive somebody that has hurt you, you're going to have good days and bad days? And you're going to wake up some days and you're going to be like, I don't even think of it. And then you're going to wake up other days and you're going to think of it and you're going to have a bad day and you have to choose again to say, I live in that forgiveness. I'm going to continue to live in that forgiveness. Now, I just want to confess, it's been really easy for me to forgive people and be like, I love you. It doesn't bother me. I forgive you as long as my life is doing better than their life. Only the people on the front row identify with that. <laughs> and at our Minnetrista campus, they identify, no, okay? But if their life is going better than my life, how many know that then the forgiveness thing starts to bother me? Like I forgave you, and apparently that puts you on the fast track for God's blessings, and now I'm on the slow track and you're on the good track. But as long as my life is a little better than theirs, I'm pretty happy that I forgave them. But when their life accelerates beyond, I'm just like, 
Oh, I, I, I forgave them. I released them. And now they're getting favor. And I'm not. I'm telling you what, you're going to have good days and bad days. And you want their life to accelerate. You want their life to just in- increase. You want that to happen in their life. And so you're going to keep it up every day and, and, and today and every day. And then you're going to pray for them. Like, you know, you're going to pray for them. And you're going to say, bless them, God. Bless them. Which goes, so that's how you're going to live out forgiveness. And you're going to, when you get those bad days, you're going to say, God, bless them. And when you see them having good days, you're going to say, God, continue to bless them. And you're going to live that out in forgiveness. It's it's a, it's, it's a beautiful thing when it gets there, but John Calvin, who was a famous uh, pastor in the history of the church, he said, praying for your enemies or praying for people that have hurt you is exceedingly difficult. Yeah. It's exceedingly difficult to pray blessing. And again, you just kind of like, Lord, just, you can give them almost as many blessings as you give me. <laughs> 90%. Just make sure I get one more than they do. Okay. You're going to pray. I, I, I thought about this and I thought I might actually do a sermon series up ahead called Unreasonable Demands. Like, because how many know that when God says love your enemies, that just sounds like, how can I do that? Only the grace of God. How, forgive those people that have hurt you. Only the grace of God. How, how about this? An unreasonable demand. God says, I want you to do good, but I even want your motive to be good. Like, and it's, it's, it's hard enough, like, I've got to do good. And then he's like, yeah, but you did good and you wanted the plaque or you wanted the recognition or you wanted everybody, you wanted the Instagram photo op, but you didn't do it just for me. And so I thought maybe we'll do a series on that. All right, let's get to reconciliation. Some of you are wondering if we're ever going to get there. All right, <laughs> I'm going to get there. Um, it all starts with the gospel. It all starts with what we've been given, that God has, has reconciled us back to him. And I want you to understand this. We were separated from God. And, and I, I want to read this text and I want to explain it to you. So I'm going to read it first. Romans chapter six, five, Romans chapter five, verses six through 11. It says this, you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We are reconciled from God. And I want to go through that list. I mean, we tell people you are powerless to save yourself. We tell people you are ungodly. Maybe people will be bold enough as pastors to say you're sinners. But you rarely hear you were God's enemy. You were God's enemy because our sin separated us from God and we were on the enemy list. And God's like, I don't want you on the enemy list anymore. And so I'm going to send my son to pay the price for your sins. I'm going to do, and I'm going to make a way for us to be reconciled. And I, I just haven't, I, I'm getting this download from God in the last couple of days as I was prepping for this. Like, that's the beauty of being forgiven. We were separated from God the Father, and Jesus made a way so we can be reconciled to the Father. It's a beautiful thing, and we are brought back into right relationship. There were issues between us, and God's like, on my side, I'm making every possible way for us to be right again. Will you just take the step towards reconciliation and receive what I've done for you? Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful thing. 
And, and, and I really believe this. The only people that can truly forgive and really give out forgiveness like we need to give it out are the people that have been forgiven by Jesus Christ. The only people that can really work at true reconciliation are the people that are reconciled to God because it just takes it to a whole nother level. And I look at our world and I see where the, you know, people have issue with parent and siblings and friends and neighbors and coworkers. And I see that sin is just pushing us apart. And I see racism and hatred and I see politics dividing us and causing people to get entrenched. And I'm thinking, who can help us come back together? Only God only God. And the people that have been reconciled to God need to lead the way to reconcile other people. And I think about how many times I've said stupid things that heaven helped people reconcile. And I, I'm very sensitive to that. I don't want to do things that cause us to fight against each other. And I may have a certain belief, but I don't want to fight against somebody. I want to reconcile people. I want to bring peace between people. I want to be a peacemaker. And I, and I keep thinking this over and over again. Whoever can unite us will win. And I think the church should be able to unite us by offering forgiveness and reconciliation. And you're thinking, how does this help me? Like, we are the people that are supposed to spread the message of reconciliation. And when we're right with God, we should be able to reconcile with others. Now, I want to be clear. Reconciliation is different than forgiveness. Very different. Forgiveness sets me free, okay? I forgive you. And, and even if one person wants to forgive, you can have forgiveness. I forgive you. And they can be like, well, I hate you. That's okay. I forgive you, all right? If I have one person, I can have forgiveness, all right? But it takes two people to have reconciliation. It takes two people. And so it, it, it's possible to forgive without reconciliation, but it's not possible to reconcile without forgiveness. Does that make sense? I got something in my mind. I got to get it out. You know, sometimes I get a thought and it's distracting me. You don't know that. I'm preaching, but I'm like, I, how many know, like, is it one to sell, two to buy, one to buy, two to sell? And you know that thing with the mortgage? I, anyways, I said it. Now it's out of my head. Now it's bouncing in your head. All right. It takes one for forgiveness. It takes two for reconciliation. I know that much. All right. I'm not buying a house. I'm trying to reconcile. Reconciliation requires, it requires that Two willing people. And I'm thinking about this in Romans 12, 18. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You're going to do your part. You're gonna, they're going to do their part. As much as it depends on you, there's a part that depends on you, and there's a part that depends on them, and it takes two people to reconcile. It's going to take time to reconcile. I can forgive you in a moment. But to reconcile and to restore sometimes takes lots of time. Maybe somebody's ruined your reputation and you forgive them, but to reconcile that friendship is going to take time. Let's take it up a little bit. Maybe somebody's stolen from you and they ripped you off in a business deal. And, you know, like I said, when I was trying to think of who has, you know, I had issue with, then all of a sudden I remembered somebody that ripped me off in a business deal. And it took me a while to get where I would forgive this person and then to reconcile and then to wish them well. Can I just be vulnerable? It, it was another pastor that is not in our church. And, and it was a pastor. And then he had somebody come up to him and like paid off his whole church debt for like millions of dollars. And I'm like, and I rejoice with that, God. I rejoice with that. I mean, I'm just telling you, that's real, okay? 
So it, it, I, I, it, maybe they've stolen from you. You've got to, it's going to take time to reconcile. Maybe they verbally abused you, physically abused you. It's going to take time to reconcile that. It's going to take a change in behavior to reconcile that. Maybe they cheated on you or worse, you could fill in the blanks. It's going to take time. It won't be easy. Forgiveness still is hard, but I can do that with one person. But reconciliation is going to take two people. And when trust is deeply broken, it's a process. It's a process. I just can remember when my mom and dad, when I'd break a rule and, and I'd say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? They'd be like, we forgive you. I'm like, great. And they're like, and now you're grounded. What? I said, you forgave me. And they're like, correct, but you're gonna pay the price for what you did. What? And we're moving your curfew an hour earlier. What? I was like, I thought you forgave me. Like, where's the forgiveness? And they're like, right, forgiveness was instantaneous. We're, we're reconciling and trust is earned. And you're going to earn the trust and it's going to take time. And you're going to get right back to where you are, but it's going to take you some time. And I was like, oh, I, I like forgiveness way better. Like, that's way easier. Let's just say we forgive and let's move on. All right. It's going to take time. It's going to take time. And people have asked, again, I'm, I'm basing this off of some of the emails people have said, when do we reconcile? And for people, it's different. As soon as you, you, you want to forgive them as soon as possible, and you forgive them, and whenever you can bring it to reconciliation, we want you to move forward towards that. That would be the goal. We want you to go from forgiveness to reconciliation, but it's different for people. Some people, it's right away. Some people, it takes time. But we want you to be moving towards that whenever it's possible to reconcile. You say, when is it not possible? Maybe somebody has died. It's not possible. Maybe the person continually does uh, destructive things in your life, and you've got to keep them at an arm's length. And it's not possible to reconcile because they continually do destructive things that disrupt your entire life. And you say, I can forgive them, but I've got to keep them them in a neutral corner, okay? So, but whenever it's possible, we want you to work towards reconciliation. Now, you say, what if they're not repentant? We, you can't reconcile with somebody that's not repentant. You can forgive someone that's not repentant, but you can't reconcile. It takes the two people to do this, okay? Luke 17, 3 says, so watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. Like, go to them. Tell them it's wrong. And if they repent, Forgive them. He's like saying, if there's an issue, you're going to go to them, you're going to point it out, and they need to repent, and then you can move this thing forward. The Bible talks in Proverbs 28, 13, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. There's something about renouncing them and confessing them and saying, this is what I did. I don't want to do that anymore. I want to find mercy with you. I want to change that. Matter of fact, uh, again, the Jewish people, where they would understand when Jesus was preaching, when I talked about in Matthew 5, when he said, if you have a problem, leave it there and go back. They were very much into like, if you're asking for forgiveness, your attitude, your behavior, everything has to line up with this. We really want to move towards reconciliation so they could see like, boy, we've really got to make sure that this is reconciled and right. Now people say, well, how do I know if the person's repentant? Only God knows their hearts, but we can judge the fruit. We can judge the fruit. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 16, it says, By their fruit you will know them. I love it when people are crying when they're sorry, when they're asking for forgiveness, when they want to reconcile. I love it when they're crying, but I want to see fruit. I, I, I kind of think this thought. Tears are a great start, but I want to see fruit. 
If we're going to reconcile, and we're going we're to have to see the fruit that's there, and we're going to have to say, this person accepts the responsibility. They, they are okay with saying, I'll, I'll prove this. I want to show you that I'm uh, sorry for what I've done. I want to bring forth fruit that shows that I'm repentant. I want to do whatever I can. Whenever I, possible, I'll make amends. I'll do whatever I can to reconcile. Now, this is very hard for people to do. Very hard. And I shared something very vulnerable in, in the book that I wrote just recently, Fix It, okay? In that, uh, in that book on the chapter, The Big Boom, for those of you that have it, if you haven't got there yet, um, I just want to share this with you. And those of you that are part of the church, you'll know this. You've been around for a long time. Um, you'll know this story. But for those that don't, I'll share a story of reconciliation. And I wanted to just give you this, a tangible thing that happened in my life. So I'm sharing his name. I've got permission for this. But there was a pastor on our staff named Joe. He was our very first intern. He's on staff with us. Uh, man, wonderful guy. Started out, graduated from North Central, intern. He was our first site coordinator when we were portable church. Um, Joe and I had a falling out in our ministry, okay? Joe was on our team, and, and we had um, this, this miscommunication, he wanted to go out and be an evangelist. We had a miscommunication about the support that he would get and the way he counted support and the way that I counted support. And there was a little root of bitterness that came to Joe in that moment. That continued to fester and continued to fester. And we started taking what I would call like brotherly pot shots at each other. Okay? It escalated. A church came open in the area, and we wanted to make it a campus. And he actually uh, candidated to become the senior pastor of that church. Well, somewhere in that, there became a confusion that we tried to steal the church from him, and he became not just like a sniping brother at me. He became my enemy, and I became his enemy, okay? And we were enemies, and it was ugly, and I'm pastoring the church, and you talk about leave your gift at the altar. I should have, like, let somebody else preach every week. It was ugly. It got so bad. There were accusations and tension and anger, and it, it really was sin. It was just, it, it was ugly, and we actually got to the point where meeting with our district officials and they couldn't resolve the issue. I mean, we're going to meeting after meeting after meeting and, and, and we can't resolve the issue. And finally, we just agreed that we don't like each other and we're going to send out a letter. And so we actually wrote a letter. This is horrible. And we wrote a letter and sent it out. And don't raise your hand if you got it. I mean, we said it's like hundreds of people, like hundreds of people got this letter that said, Rob and Joe don't like each other and have agreed to like love Jesus and not like each other. That's the best we could get at. That's horrible. That's horrible. And I hated every minute of it. And I was trying to force reconciliation. I was like, that's not good enough. We need to reconcile. We need to fix this. And he's like, I don't want to fix it. And I can remember, I'm looking at my superintendent saying, you have to make him. You know, he's like, you can't do that. You can't do that. You have to have, uh, two people have to agree to reconcile. You can forgive him, but you can't reconcile. And I remember I was so frustrated with this. I was so angry by this. I was sad by this. We would, we would see them in the store and either we'd walk out or they would walk out. I mean, we'd be walking into like Target and we'd see them in aisle three and they would just leave their cart and walk out of Target. I mean, it was not good. Okay, and somebody, I'm just being vulnerable. I'm being honest with you, all right? It was ugly. It was bad. We'd go to ministers' events, and I'd say, how you doing? And they'd just ignore us and walk right by us. 
It, it was sad. It was breaking my heart. And then I added fuel to the fire with careless words and gossip and an attitude of, I'll show you how good I've got it. I was trying to show him how f- much favor was on my life, but not on his life. And so how many know you can give a testimony and the testimony is really a dig? It's really not glorifying God. You're using it to attack somebody else. And I'm using testimonies to attack somebody else. Isn't God good? Better for me than you. Ugly, ugly, ugly. And all this is going on. And to put it in context, this is a guy that I walked through his alcoholism. He was an alcoholic and walked away from God. And I walked him through this. He was like a brother to me. I mean, I met with him every month at TGI Fridays in, in Bloomington. Every month we'd meet there. And he was away from God. And he said, if you ever ask me to get right with God, I'll walk out of this place. And I met with him month after month and talked about the twins, the Vikings, anything we could just to stay in his world. And, and, and then one day there was a God moment. And I said, Joe, today's the day to get right with Jesus. And we're bawling in Fridays and he rededicates his life. You know, this is before the fallout. I'm trying to put context on this of how close he was. I mean, he lived in my grandma and grandpa's condo to try to restore his marriage, and they did restore their marriage. We had history together, and now we hate each other. And we're writing letters, and we're sending this out, and it's one of the ugliest spots in my life. I couldn't force reconciliation. And then one day, how many thank God for one day? One day. One day. Something happened. God got a hold of Joe. And Joe drove to the minister's conference and he knew I was going to be there. And he comes walking in the minister's conference and he comes walking up to me. And I thought, oh boy, I'm going to duck. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. I hope my team's got my back. You know, like, and, and he comes up, we need to reconcile. I was like, yes, we do. And he said, God woke me up in a dream. God spoke to me so clearly. I've been living in sin and the hate between us is not right. And I ask your forgiveness and I need to be forgiven by you. And I, and I was like, I forgive you. And then in that moment, I said, and I ask for your forgiveness that from me, like the things that I did, I added fuel and some of those testimonies really weren't testimonies. They were Sakatuya things. And, and he's like, I, I forgive you. And we prayed that night and then it didn't end there. We got together with our wives. How many know you're not reconciled until your wives are reconciled, you know? And we got them together. And, and I want to share that it's a beautiful thing. And we're able to, we sent another letter out. Praise God that we're reconciled. And now I can tell you this, he, I sent him this, I, I, I asked his permission to put it in the book, and then he, he gave me permission, and then I sent him the book and highlighted all the parts where it was, and he said this, he said, I read all the parts you marked up, and I love it all. I hate the yuck, but I love the miracle. And then he says, I love you so much. Only God. Only God. And I'm going to tell you this, only God. Come on, thank God for that. Only God. One day, pray for your one day. It, you, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Work towards reconciliation. Give forgiveness. It takes one. It takes two to reconcile, but believe God for the one day. You say, well, I can't do it. Oh, I could list story after story. I think about Joyce Meyer being molested by her father and forgiving her dad and reconciling. I'm just like, the, the grace of God can do things that man can't do. 
The power of God can do things that man can't do. Because we've been reconciled to God, we've been given the, the responsibility of reconciliation to this world, I pray that we'll be peacemakers. And I pray that me sharing that story and being vulnerable will help you to say, I'm going to believe for my one day. And I don't know if your one day is coming, but I'm going to believe with you for your one day. I'm going to believe as much as it depends on you, you're going to be positioned in the ready position to say, God, if they're ready, I'm ready, and I want to reconcile. So God, I just pray right now that you'd help us to live that way for the one day. We've been reconciled to you, and I pray that we'd be reconciled to one another. I pray right now, if there's people that are just feeling, that's me, they would say, I need to be reconciled to my brother. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen.